After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. The world can be a very scary place. So many assume that Jesus really isn't on the throne. Yet Revelation 7 assures God's people that Jesus has won and the victory will come. Join Ryan and Mike as they discuss the scenes of victory in Revelation 7. Oh, and we're going to talk about the 144,000 too. All right, well today we are going to take a look at Revelation chapter 7. In the last episode we looked at chapter 6, which is the unfolding of God's purposes after the ascension of Christ. His victory on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and he is he's carrying forward the purposes of God in his kingdom, which is visualized in Revelation by these seven seals, or the scroll with seven seals that the Lamb is opening up. And so when we looked at those seven seals, we saw the first four and, and these uh, forces of evil that are unleashed, which is the stuff of this present evil age. But then we look at the fifth seal, and we see... Um, we see the people of God who have been caught up in this war that, that is against them, and they're killed, and they're crying out for God to come and judge, to bring judgment, to make it right, and to usher in his kingdom. They want to know how long. Well, that frame stops there. Well, the initial answer that's given is, um, wait, more will die, um, but, but rest a little while longer. Well, the, the scene shifts when we get to the sixth seal, and all of a sudden we are at that day of judgment. We are at that day of wrath, and you see people great and small who are, um, who are running from God's judgment, who are terrified of God's judgment. They're crying out to the mountains, fall on us and cover us. The day of the wrath has come. The, 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 him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb, the day of their wrath has come. And this question that's asked, who is able to stand, right? And so before we get to the seventh seal and see the, the purpose of God completed and the kingdom of God being delivered over to his people, um, the kingdom of the world becoming the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, there's this question that's asked at the end of the sixth seal, who can stand before the, the, the lamb? And, and we have this interlude in chapter seven that's gonna try to answer that question for us. So why don't you... Uh, walk us through chapter seven and help us help us understand what's going on here. Yeah, and I think Mike to expand the context a little bit and just add some perhaps real world application to this. You know, the book of Revelation, as we've said many times, needs to give us endurance. Mm-hmm. If we're not getting endurance from this mm-hmm. book, we're not reading it right. Absolutely. Whenever I turn on the news or whenever I read a newspaper or go on a website and look at the news, I become scared pretty quick. Mm. Because there is political turmoil that may end our country. Mm-hmm. There are viruses that may kill us in our sleep. Yeah. There are health conditions that we don't even know of. There is Iran. There is North Korea. Um, there are domestic threats. And it's just really peachy out there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, whenever you consider this is the world in mm-hmm. which Jesus is reigning, mm-hmm. this is the world in which the resurrected Son of God is exalted at the right hand of the Father yeah. and the Spirit is at work among us. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Really? The world is a terrifying place, 
and yet we're to be assured that Christ is on the throne. How do we hold these two ideas together? Yeah, absolutely. The question that you just pointed to in 617, who can stand, that's one that if we're real with ourselves, we feel when we look at the chaos of the world. Mm -hmm. And it's asking then who's going to endure, who can stand. And this gets us then to chapter seven. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen WandaVision yet, but yeah. um, <laughs> chapter episode four was my favorite episode. Uh, we interrupt this program. You can think of Revelation 7 as yeah. we interrupt this program because there has been this main drama happening in Westview and 133, mm -hmm. but then you have this side story about Monica Rambeau and what exactly happens with her in episode four. Mm -hmm. I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but that's really what chapter seven is. It yeah. is this side story to bring us back into the larger narrative, and really the focus of this is not going to be on the horsemen and the heavenly host and the living creatures. The focus of this is going to be on the people of God. Yeah. So what we're seeing in chapter 7 is this really important interlude. We interrupt this episode to mm -hmm. now tell you what about the people of God. So let's read. Chapter 7, I verse envision. One. <laughs> if, if, if vision is a ship. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, chapter 7, verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind may blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the seas or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, you can read this with a um, mystical mind and really... Yeah not get the practical import of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Why are there four angels? What do you think, Mike? Why do you read here of four angels? Well, we've seen this idea of four before. Really, no, <laughs> Good no pun. Yeah. I, I really didn't mean for that to happen. And I, and I didn't really want it to happen, but I started... We've seen I, two, was, two. Yeah. There, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, uh, let's get back okay. to the text. Man. Okay, anyway. Um, if, Four is is a is another picture of completeness. It seems that's it. Four corners of the earth. Now, this is not saying the earth is flat. Sorry, everyone that's read the Book of Enoch. Um, yeah, this is not saying the earth is flat. All this is saying is the every crevice of the earth mm -hmm. is going to be touched by the judgment of God. And this is really where the sixth seal was coming in. The mm -hmm. sixth seal was coming in and saying there is going to be this cosmic event that's going yeah. to happen, and these four angels are going to come, and they are going to execute judgment on every crevice of God's creation. Mm -hmm. But, verse 2, another angel comes, it's beautiful language, mm -hmm. then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun mm -hmm. with the seal of the living God in his hand. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a question, of course, about what the seal is. If you mm -hmm. look back to the Old Testament, again, I mm -hmm. think that gives us the best context here. Absolutely. In Ezekiel like chapter... Say again? Like always. Like always, right? <laughs> yes. Or we can always look at UFOs if we're not sure. Yeah. In Ezekiel chapter plan, 9... That's plan B. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when all else fails, look at UFOs. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 9, Ezekiel is given an oracle by God and is promised that the destruction of Jerusalem is coming, and yet there's going to be a seal that is going to be given upon the righteous. Mm -hmm. This is essentially God's way of identifying and protecting the people that are his. And what God is doing here is he's saying, I will not only identify, but I'm going to protect those who are under my authority. I'm going to protect those who are in my kingdom. Yeah. And then if you notice verse 3, this is really important to note. The servants of God are sealed. Mm-hmm. The servants of God. I'll, I'll, I'll explain in a few minutes why that's important. I just want to sit on that for a second. But the, the, the term that is described here is the servants of God. Mike, do you have thoughts before we go on through the rest of the chapter? I, I just wanted to give another maybe accessible reference to the idea of sealing and what, what we're seeing here in Revelation. Um, Paul will, will borrow from, from the Ezekiel language, just like John is here in 2 Timothy, and he'll say, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And, and that's exactly the point here. In the midst of all this judgment, um, God knows who his people are, and he is distinguishing them and saving them and protecting them. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to take it this far, but 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 I have to now. Um, Paul talks in Ephesians 1 as well about mm. the seal of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. 1 John 4 has very similar language. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think this is talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think this is magnified when you look back to verse 1, where you have the four winds mm-hmm. or the four breaths, yeah. the four mm-hmm. spirits coming. Yeah. The, the, the image that you have here, if you understand the Holy Spirit and, and, and the biblical teaching of the Spirit, um, you have in verse 1 of chapter 7 these four spirits that are coming, and they are going to encompass God's earth, but they're being held back. Mm-hmm. These, four, these four winds are being held back until the Spirit of God is given to His people. Yeah. So I think even narratively, that's what I really think is going on in chapter mm-hmm. 7. Absolutely. Yeah. So the servants of God are sealed. They're going to be protected. As you then, I'm going to skip the 144,000 for now. We're going to come back to that. Okay. We're going to come back to that. I want you to just read for me, though, this great vision of victory. Let's skip down to verse 9. Read for me chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to our God forever and ever. Amen. Beautiful section. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful section. Let's take this mm-hmm. full circle, though, to, to where we began the discussion. At the end of chapter se- at the end of chapter six, there's a question: the world is falling to pieces, chaos is all around us, death mm-hmm. is encompassing. Who can stand? Yeah. Mike in chapter seven: Who can stand? Those who have come out of the tribulation, the bond servants of God, those whom God has sealed, those who follow the Lamb. Exactly. And, and, and for those who didn't catch it, if you look back to chapter 7, verse 9, 
After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Yeah. I would say sealed by the Spirit. This is Trinitarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, clothed in white robes and yeah. palm branches in their mm-hmm. hands. Yeah. Something you wanted to share. Go ahead. Well, I, just just thinking about the perspective this gives us, you know, when we're when we're getting pummeled in the war as the as the people of God feeling oppressed by by the enemy, by the adversary and his forces and and uh, feeling outnumbered, feeling like we're we're losing the battle. It's so helpful to get this this side by side picture of on the day of wrath. The, the enemies of God, small and great, will be begging mountains to fall on them. The wrath has come. Who can stand? And yet on that same day, the people of God, sealed by the Spirit, are standing before his throne, celebrating, rejoicing, worshiping, sharing in his glory. Absolutely. And yet this is extremely cross-shaped. Before Jesus could be exalted to the right hand of the Father as the true Son of Man and the true Son of God, Mm -hmm. he first went through the cross. He went through the tribulation. He went through the suffering. Mm -hmm. The saints are following in the way of the Lamb. That's right. You know, I'm going to rant here for a second, but I, I am so tired of the phrase, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die. That way we don't have to. Or thank you for sending Jesus to die in our place. Uh, yeah, no, not really. Jesus suffered so that we can suffer with him, mm. but come out of it the other way. Mm-hmm. Jesus died so that we can die to sin and live to God another way. Mm-hmm. Jesus entered into our death. Jesus entered into our condemnation to bring us out. Mm-hmm. And and that's what Revelation is telling us. It's not that Jesus has taken all the punishment and all the condemnation that we don't have to, but rather Jesus has suffered in a very unique way that we can then suffer with him, yeah. work through the tribulation, go through the trials and the sufferings of this age, and then on the other side be glorified by the Father. That's right. Our role in this is to patiently wait under suffering, much as Jesus did. God is the one who will redeem. God is the one who will make right. Our job is to wait in yeah, this. That's exactly right. So when you look at chapter 7, verse 9, there, there are so many Old Testament allusions that we could mm-hmm. make in this one. Um, you have, first of all, Gentiles that are brought into this. They're before the throne. They're in white robes. Uh, we read later that these robes are made white in the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. They have palm branches in their hands. Mike, mm-hmm. why do they have palm branches in their hands? Because they are faithful, and it represents the feast days, and it's another allusion to Leviticus. And it is, yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in Leviticus 23, you read of all the great feasts of Israel, but in Zechariah 14... This is one of the just most powerful promises of the Old Testament. At the very end of Zechariah, it is promised that every nation will come to Jerusalem to celebrate mm-hmm. the Feast of Tabernacles. At the Feast of Tabernacles, they would use palm branches and celebrate the victory and the deliverance that God had given, delivering them for the Red Sea, ransoming them from Egypt, and now bringing them to the Promised Land. This is, this is a people who have been who have been delivered through the, the tribulation. These are a people who have been redeemed from the suffering, and now they are crying out in verse 10, salvation yes. belongs to our God and to the one who sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. And then all the living creatures and the angels, they likewise fell 
and they worship. I think there's the there's the paradox there. We're standing before the throne, yep. having overcome the world, and yet now when we come to the very presence of God, now we're falling right on our faces. And then blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. You want to guess how many things that is? Seven. Seven different attributes of God in verse 12 are given to him forever and ever. It's like everything that could be given to God is given to him. So just narratively noting where we are in chapter 7, the question begins at the end of chapter 6. Who can stand and overcome everything that's happening? You then read at the end of chapter 7, those who have given allegiance to the Lamb, those who have followed him, these are the ones who are going to overcome. Mike, I want to come back to this great poem that we read in 15 following in a minute, but let's go ahead and talk about the 144,000. Yeah. Whenever you read in verse 4, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. I'm going to give a one-minute answer to what I think the 144,000 is, then you can take it further if you think you need to go there. I think the key to understanding this is looking at the term servant. Mm. This... it's told for us in chapter 7 and in verse 3 that the servants of God are sealed. I think the reason they're called the servants of God is if you look over to chapter 15, verse 3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, mm-hmm. and the songs of the Lamb, saying, what you see in chapters 14 to 15, which we'll cover in due time, is another series of judgment that's being poured out. But in this case, you have, again, the righteous those who are giving allegiance to the Lamb who are overcoming. Whenever you look at the 144,000, I think this is just a symbolic way of saying this is the whole sum of Israel that is righteous to God. Mm -hmm. This is the group of Israel that is now a part of God's kingdom. So I think this is just metaphor for us to saying who's going to overcome. Well, it's not merely being born an Israelite that's going to give you the ability to overcome. It's Israel that has now given allegiance to the Lamb. And then you get to verse 9. That also includes the Gentiles who are innumerable. Mm-hmm. So so I think just very briefly, I think 144,000 is just saying this is the whole sum of Israel that is righteous, Yeah. but then an innumerable group of Gentiles is likewise coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and to kind of see how even the structure of seven right? We've, it, it's an interlude, but it's a two-part interlude, right? With these two frames. The first frame is the sealing of the bondservants of God, and they're sealed and they're counted for the census, like you see. And then the next frame, we see them on the other side of the war, on the other side of the victory, and they're in the presence of God before the throne, worshiping and serving him as his royal priest, right? And so, exactly. Again, the, the, the common denominator is both scenes are focused on the people of God, the servants of God, the royal priesthood of God, each seen from a different angle, capturing a different dimension of this. Yeah, these are the servants of God. These are the ones who have given allegiance to the Lamb. You Mm -hmm. know, and and just very briefly, for those who wonder, will only 140,000 be saved? Um, If you read verse 9, no, Mm -hmm. there is an innumerable multitude that comes. Yeah. You know, this is one area where if you just read the next verse, it may answer what's, yeah. what's actually going on here. Yeah. But, and and but remembering... Need... Go ahead, go ahead. Just, yes, again, like we talked about in earlier episodes, and it's been a while since then, but just remembering, again, this is symbolic, figurative imagery um, that we're not meant to just Parable. take... 
take literally, right? Exactly. That, that it's the vision. It's 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 seeing these symbols find their meaning in light of the the law and the prophets and the writings. Exactly. So anyway. Well, let's finish up this chapter by reading this great song that's given at the mm-hmm. end. Verse 13. One of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from whom, where do they come? I said to him, sir, you know, they said to me, these are the ones coming out from the great tribulation. They stand, you may say. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him night and day in the temple. There's that priestly language. Yes. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They will hunger no more nor thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Mm-hmm. How could the scriptures give us a more hopeful promise than what you read here in Revelation 7? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, this present age was going to bring suffering and trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the age, victory will come for those that follow the Lamb. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, you would think that after a series of plagues wipes out a third of your friends, you would start to catch on to what God's trying to tell you. Well, think again. Join Ryan and Mike as they discuss the repentance in Revelation, even in judgment. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns.